You're listening to the Spitalfields Music Festival podcast for 2020, a short series of episodes lasting up to half an hour, giving you a flavour of the sights, sounds and experiences of the Spitalfields Festival that runs from Wednesday the 24th of June to Sunday the 28th of June. For more information and to book tickets, visit spitalfieldsmusic.org.uk, follow Spitz Music on Twitter or Spitalfields Music on Facebook. For over 40 years, Spitalfields has been putting music at the heart of East London, building a nationwide reputation for high-quality performances, innovative artist development and award-winning learning projects. Spitalfields receives public funding from Arts Council England, City of London and Tower Hamlets Arts and Education Music Service, in addition to the ongoing support from trusts, foundations, champions and major donors. In early February 2020, Spitalfields Music CEO Sarah G welcomed supporters, performers and friends from the local community to the festival launch at Hanbury Hall in East London, at which members of the Dunedin Consort performed a selection of some of the music they'll be performing in June. Here are some edited highlights from that event. It's just so lovely to see so many people here today. Thank you very, very much for coming. Um, and I'm saying that on behalf of, of the board, of our t- artistic curators, but also the team. So welcome. Very lovely to see you. We're really delighted that so many of you could come this evening to, uh, to hear what we've been up to and to hear a bit about the, the launch plans for the festival in 2020. Uh, as is the nature with, with most arts charities these days, we, we do a lot of work in our local community year round. And in our case, that means bringing music to the East End of London. Now, much of the work that we do is behind closed doors. It's in schools, it's in care homes, working with people living with dementia, or we're supporting composers or music leaders in their professional practice. So it's a great joy at festival time to be able to fling open the doors and let you share in stuff. And it's great to share some of the wonderful music that exists in or has been created for this great city. We're also very pleased to be back after what we're calling our our Glastonbury-style fallow year. Uh, We needed a bit of time to regroup, uh, to consider what it means to be a music festival in an urban setting in the 21st century, and to think about how we can best work with artists, with communities and with audiences in the lead up to our milestone 50th birthday. So on to our festival plans. The overarching theme is one of metamorphosis and transformation and that's very much in line with the organisation's journey. I'm delighted that two of our three artistic curators, Ed Finnis and Erilyn Wallen, are here to talk about their inspiration and some of the programmes that they've helped curate. Our third curator, Kate Mollison, sends profound apologies. Um, She has to be in Glasgow this evening presenting a concert for Radio 3. So uh, I'll be acting as her proxy, introducing some of her thoughts. I know it's not quite the same, but... um, she, she was very, very sorry to miss things. Before we get on to that, let's hear some music. It's why we're all here. We are truly delighted that one of the ensembles um, being featured in this year's festival is the Dunedin Consort. And to give a taste of their magnificent music making, we're delighted to welcome a quartet to perform for us this evening. 
There will be, they're going to give us four works this evening. We're going to split it two now and two slightly later, once we've heard from Ed and from Erilyn. Can I welcome to the stage Hilary Cronin, Rory McCleary, David Lee, and John Stainsby from Dunedin Consort. to our artistic curators, uh, the wonderful inspiration behind the festival, Ed and Erilyn. So we have a five-day programme in June, uh, which is a mix of ideas from each of you and Kate, plus some strands that we've woven in from our, our work in the East End that goes on year-round. And we're back at Christchurch for the first time in many years. I know many of you uh, really enjoy the events that, that we have there, and it's a pleasure to be back there. We also have some events in, in this building, Hanbury Hall as well, but everything will be split between those two particular venues this time. And it's good being back at Christchurch because it was the, the sort of spiritual home and inspiration where the festival started in 1976. Can I start by asking each of you, how you came to music in the first place. What was your inspiration? I love the way that the, it's handed straight over. Go on, Ed, go on. <laughs> um, I was lucky to have uh, siblings who played instruments, and I remember just sort of lying down, listening to my sister playing the piano when I was very, very small. That's an early memory. And then I was lucky enough to be um, in a choir, and yeah, that became a very formative experience for me. Just being involved in 
in music making, but also sort of having this physical sense of being part of a sort of vibrating column of air it had a big impact on me straight away. And I knew that I wanted to do something in music for the rest of my life at that point. And that was, that was kind of early. I can't remember. Really how, how old were you when then? When I was about nine. I wow. Think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Erin, what about you? I was a crazy kid. And I, I must be one of the few children where her parents begged her to stop practicing the piano. <laughs> but actually, it was nine when I was walking with my uncle. I lived in Tottenham. And we were walking from somehow walking or maybe going to the bus to Ridley Road Market. And uh, I said, Uncle, I can hear all these funny sounds in my head. I could, to this day, I know what that sound is now. It's electronics and strings. I didn't know what that sound was then. And he said, you know, I think you might be a composer. And that just was just a little spark. I thought it was very clever of him, but I didn't know what a composer was at one. But. And you've got links with East End as well. Oh, yeah. it's, it's such a privilege to be part of this festival because um, I was brought up by an uncle and aunt. My aunt was born in Bethnal Green. So this whole area is, is such a huge part of my childhood. Um, I'm talking about Jelly Deals, uh, Pie and Mash. <laughs> um, and my aunt, uh, yeah, we, would, we were up here every week, and it's a huge part of my cultural upbringing. Yeah. So, Ed, Ed, one of your programmes, our, our Saturday evening uh, concert with the Fabulous XOJ, you've worked with a number of, collaborated with a number of times in the past. That quite cleverly brings together European music over 500 years, really. Um, in fact, I was, I was really chuffed to notice that we got in early. So we will be celebrating the 499th anniversary of Jocelyn Waterfrey's death. <laughs> That's ahead of the glut of music that will be there next year, because I'm assuming it'll be just like Beethoven. You know. um, but can you tell us a bit more about that, that, that programme, how you put it together? And, and it includes a, a world premiere and a UK premiere as well. Yeah, so to sort of step back slightly, when I, was, when I started to think about um, what to propose for both performers and repertoire for, for, the, for the festival, I was just thinking, you know, what music has made a deep impression on me um, and who do I, who do I admire as, as in, in those fields? And um, so I, I was thinking about sort of important listening experiences I've had and some of the composers who feature in this Exaudi concert and also in the concert later that night, um, they have written music where I really remember where I was when I first heard it. I really remember the experience of being in the room with the performers live. So um, the world premiere is a piece by the Swiss composer Jörg Frey and it's called Landscape of Echoes. And I was very excited when I was speaking with James Weeks from Exaudi because he said that York was writing a new piece for them and it was in the pipeline and you know, would I potentially be interested? And I had a look at it and absolutely, completely interested. I love his music. And the, the, also it tied in very nicely with um, the fact that I had wanted to uh, thread through the music of Josquin Dupre, which is uh, something I absolutely adore. Um, and I wanted to focus on uh, music with canons in it. Uh, so there is a kind of connection between a lot of these pieces in that they are, uh, they're, they're, it's all music which has a sense of sort of spaciousness about it. It, it doesn't sort of shout at you. It um, rather 
creates a kind of uh, a spacious listening environment uh, where you can be drawn in really to sort of the, the fine details of the, of the voices and the sounds that make up the music. And, and I find that idea very attractive. Um, so Landscape of Echoes, Canons, a piece by a Lithuanian composer, Ritis Mazoulis, called Canon Solus, and a, a UK premiere by uh, an Austrian composer, who I admire greatly as well, called Klaus Lang. And so yes, um, it was it was a, it was great fun to to craft this program along with James Weeks. Yeah. And, and you touched a little bit about the, the concert later that evening, which will which will be here in Hanbury Hall. Uh, that's the the Catlam Trio, including the the intriguingly named secondary rainbow synthesizer. <laughs> yeah, she, she's quite wry about this now because the, the you know people get really excited about <laughs> the sound of this. Synthesizer. It's something that she developed with her um, musical collaborator, who's also her husband, uh, Brian Eubanks. And it's something where uh, a microphone is placed outside the performance space, and it filters sounds from the outside environment. Um, and it, it, it picks up frequencies that are outside that are kind of also part of the harmony of the piece. And she has wonderful poetic ways of talking about her work it, it involving a kind of harmonic space. Um, and she's interested in uh, the, the phrase that she always uses is the interaction of tones. And I find that a kind of wonderful idea, sort of stripping back to the, the kind of elemental uh, materials of, of music. And again, it's 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 the sort of it's the sort of music that really um, rewards close attention. And that'll be happening in here. And I, I had a, a again saying about sort of important listening experiences I had, I first encountered her music about five or six years ago in um, a, a quite an unassuming kind of basement bar in Berlin and people were milling around having drinks and you couldn't see the stage or anything like that and at a certain point seven people uh, sat down with their instruments in a semicircle and everyone just sort of seemed to know that the concert was about to start without any announcement of any kind and everyone sat down and listened very attentively to quite a long 50 or so minute piece um, that was very quiet but absolutely beguiling and I really remember that concert both for the music and also for the particular nature of the kind of ritual. It was a kind of concert ritual experience that I hadn't quite encountered anything like before so I'm really looking forward to having Catherine and Brian and uh, Beth Lane, close collaborators come and, and perform this music here. I think that'd be quite fascinating. I mean, the sounds of, of this part of the city at uh, half past eight on a Saturday evening being included in, in pieces in here is going to be, yeah, something really quite special. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're also, we want to um, use this space in a slightly different way. So for, for that one, there will be, it's not just going to be unreserved, um, there will be chairs for people that do want them. But we'll also have bean bags and mats on the floor. So if people just want to sit and kind of soak it in, uh, in a slightly different uh, experience, then we wanted to be able to cater for that as well. So I think that should be quite fun. How
talked a bit about experience of, of events and uh, presentational style, and storytelling is one of the things that comes through in, in Kate Mollison's uh, programmes. Um, so the Dunedin Consort, as part of the programme, are doing a performance of Ramos Pygmalion. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, it's the story of a sculptor who creates his ideal woman in ivory. It's not something that we would, of course, condone these days. Um, but nonetheless, he creates this woman in, in ivory, much to the consternation of, of his fiancée. Um, and for that event, we're going to be joined by Clarissa Paranosa, who's one of Scotland's most exciting young dancers. And she will become the statue. Um, and big thanks to, to Brian Smith for helping us realise that idea. And for that programme in particular, we have a, a, a brilliant lineup of vocal sources. Um, Kate particularly asked me to, to, um, to single out uh, Nicholas Mulroy as a tenor. Uh, he, he's going to play Pygmalion, the sculptor. Um, and her phrase, and I thought this was lovely and worth, worth sharing. Uh, and, you know, please feed this back to him. Uh, but uh, him being a tenor who melts my heart and grips my attention with every note that he sings. I just don't think you can get much more of a, an endorsement than that. Um, we'll also be laying out the church, that's being in Christchurch, we'll be laying it out in a slightly different way, different formats, so more akin to a sort of a fashion show style runway, uh, with the, the dancer being able to move up and down and the audience laid out around, but facing rather than sort of uh, in line with the, with the aisle. And Pygmalion is, is an opera which is really, um, it's about power, it's about gender, um, the, the, the kind of myth of creative genius, um, narcissism and image culture. So although it was written many hundreds of years ago, it feels as relevant today as it, as it was at that point. And then finally, around that performance, and this is not in your brochures because we couldn't quite confirm it in enough time, but we're very excited to be able to share tonight that um, we have the extraordinary composer and cellist Lucy Railton, who is going to uh, create two works to frame the Ramel Opera. So as the audience enters Christchurch and as, as you leave, there will be uh, a particular piece uh, which she has commissioned around, uh, sorry, which she has uh, uh, written to go around that we've commissioned from her. So I think that'll be quite an exciting one uh, to see. Oh. 
I was struck this week, um, you probably saw this, I'm sure some of the rest of you did as well, the, um, the words of Hilda Blonadottier when she won the Oscar for the Best Original Soundtrack from Film Joker. And she said, and I think, I think you probably enjoy this quote as much as I did, to the girls, to the women, to the mothers, to the daughters who hear music bubbling within, please speak up. We need to hear your voices. Now, one of your programmes, Fast Food, Fast Music, on, on the Saturday lunchtime at the festival, uh, which is, is supported by the RBW Trust, very much about giving a voice to women, isn't it? Um, and in line with our commitment to the Key Change Initiative on, on gender commissioning and uh, gender parity in music makers, music makers, can you tell us a bit more about the inspiration behind that programme and, and perhaps how you selected the wonderful composers? Because it's quite a line-up to have eight particular women being commissioned for that? All these women composers are very special. They each have their own unique style. And they're all uh, composers, or well, I've mentored, I've taught. Uh, a couple like um, um, Bobby Jane Gardner. There's also Birmingham Conservatoire Connection who have Bobby Jane Gardner and Victoria Benito, who's doing a master's. I was actually teaching Victoria Benito in Birmingham and I was sort of moaning the fact that so much contemporary music is slow. And I was thinking, I was just sort of off the cuff saying, wouldn't it be great to have a concert of fast food? And yeah, you could have fast music. And that's how my idea started. But I, I think it's so important to really remember that the landscape of musical composition has irrevocably changed. And there's so many fantastic women composers out, out there working well uh, at all levels. And I'm just so proud to be able to present this. So people like uh, Eloise Berner, Susanna Self, uh, Joy Effion, um, and play me their music will be performed by the uh, Rita Kofiers and Anton Miller, and they're coming all the way over from the States. And they are a formidable duo of violin and viola, and um, they're really absolutely committed to playing contemporary music. And so I, this, this fantastic festival I was trying to make lots of different connections. And the connection with food is always extremely important. <laughs> Both actually to this duo and the idea of celebrating, hopefully we'll have bagels, celebrating something in the East End. <laughs> um, one of the other world premieres that, that we have is a, is a piece by uh, Dave Venessy. Um, Kate has described as a composer whose music enthralls her because he thinks about the social implications of the ways that he writes. Um, and he did a piece, uh, some of you may, may have heard it, a piece of music theatre a few years ago with the artist David Fridley. Uh, it's called Pass the Spoon. And it was um, sort of defied the boundaries between cartoon and opera. It was part slapstick, part poignant commentary. And that was a collaboration with Nicholas Bone of Magnetic North, and we're delighted that Dave and Nick are working together on the new commission for us. Um, now working in partnership with the cellist uh, Sonia Cromarty. Now, I'm being completely honest, we're not entirely sure what the outcome of the piece is going to be, because it's still being written, such is the way of these things. Um, but that's kind of the point. It's to give composers and creators the space to test and explore and do different things. 
And, and we know from, from the background that the, uh, that the piece is being written about, the results will be very intimate, very personal, very profound. Um, and we're also delighted that that particular um, concert, uh, or piece rather, thanks to a partnership between the Royal Philharmonic Society through the support of an anonymous donor, means that that, that work, um, which is called Aberdeen, uh, will also be performed at the Sound Festival in North East Scotland uh, this autumn. And it's so nice for us to be able to ensure that there's a... Well, it's actually it's a third outing, because we're doing it twice. Uh, but it will be a third outing, because it is really difficult for composers to get second and subsequent performances. So it's really uh, important for us to be able to, to, to help with that. So we'll be doing that here, again, Hanbury Hall, uh, on the Thursday and the Friday evenings, kind of late night-ish. Um, it's, not, it's not going to be a sort of, you know, a midnight or anything like that. It's, it's uh, quite a respectable hour. <laughs> forces uh, for, well, the Dunedin Consort and the National Youth Choir of Great Britain coming together for the mighty Speminalium, but also uh, one of your works. It's in Elmarvitz, it turns the Adam Arnold show, but um, I, it's a work, quite an old work that was commissioned, my, my piece is called Runaway that he sings, was commissioned um, actually to mark the beginning of um, uh, the slave trade. Which was in 1562. I live in Greenwich, and it's in Greenwich that um, then Captain John Hawkins met with Elizabeth I and discussed the possibility of uh, uh, stealing slaves from the Spanish and beginning an English trade in slaves. So I live right by the river, and I started this work questioning what the river, what river, what water remembers. And it was commissioned by the Grantham Documents Festival to be a companion piece with the, with the Talis uh, Spemanalium. It was performed in Greenwich, in fact, by, by the BBC singers. So, um, but the that, that was Talis's church, wasn't it? The one in Greenwich, if I remember rightly. So the, the church yes. in Greenwich, I think, was Talis's church. Was that right? Yes. No, this was performed um, in, um, in Trinity Garden, whether still. Um, and the fantastic thing is that the talus is, you know, one of the pillars of choral music. 
I stand here just smiling, thinking of John Butt, who I absolutely, he's a friend, but I, I think he's one of the great musicians of our time. And I'm laughing, thinking that just yesterday morning we were discussing Avril's points at Glasgow Airport. <laughs> and I'm, so, I'm sorry you can't be here now, but that, that, the, the, the performance of the, the Talis is going to be absolutely tremendous. And I'm thrilled that the National Youth Choir of Great Britain will, you know, will be there as part of that performance, because that is a choir that, that sort of a youth choir that's second to none, in my opinion. So Ben Parry and John and Ed, there's one of your pieces being performed as part of that program as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a, a nice uh, last-minute inclusion, but I'm really pleased about that. It's, it, uh, I haven't written that much choral music, actually. And uh, this was a piece written for one of the Oxford College Choirs, New College Choir. And it's, it's really wonderful that um, the Dunedin Concert will be performing it as well. Yeah. I'm really delighted that we're able to feature both of you in the same concert. That's a, it's a real treat for us to have. I suppose the, the, the kind of traditional way to round up this section might be to ask which is your favourite thing in the festival, but it's kind of a bit like asking who's your favourite child or godchild. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but I am going to ask you instead if you could highlight something that perhaps we've not mentioned so far uh, in the conversation just because of time. Um, but something else that, that you're particularly looking forward to. <laughs> Erlen, I think you wanted to talk about the, the walking tours that we're doing. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that uh, Steve S. High Martin is here because he's one of the great historians of our time and he'll be taking us on a walk um, in these various streets but giving us a history through music and we're so happy to have Chinookay Juniors performing. So we'll encounter musicians along the way. And actually, Steve is here tonight, so feel free to ask him in more detail what he's planning. And Ed, something, something from you that you're looking forward to? Maybe it's one of Erwin's concerts, who knows? I like the idea of these double bills. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Friday night Speminalium, followed by Dave Fennison's piece. Yeah, I like these kind of bringing together quite disparate things and seeing how they bounce off one another. Brilliant, thank you. Um, I'm going to cheat and add in one of my own. The, the, the concert on the Friday night, the, the Speminalium, is, um, as well as including pieces by Erwin and Ed, it's, it's going to be dedicated to the memory of George Law, who was um, a festival patron and was, was chair of the festival for many, many years. Uh, and he, he passed away probably about 18 months ago now, and this is the first opportunity that we've had to do something to, to celebrate uh, his massive uh, commitment to the organization over many years. So it's, it's a really lovely moment for us to be able to, to commemorate that. Um, can I have a round of applause for these two, and for Kate and Absentia as You've been listening to the Spitalfields Music Festival podcast for 2020. For more information and to book tickets, visit spitalfieldsmusic.org.uk, follow Spitz Music on Twitter or Spitalfields Music on Facebook. <laughs>